You're listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TNA podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. Myself Ritwik, the host for the show and in today's episode we have two people with me. The first Chris who is the co-host of the show. Welcome Chris. Hello. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Yeah, great to be being again having you on the show. And the special guest for the show, one of the best journalists out there. He is an amazing guy. If you follow Twitter, you might definitely know him by someone who loves Louis Dung so much and probably his uh, biggest wish right now would be to see or to see Jose Mourinho start or play Troy Parrott for Spurs as well. So I'm talking about none other than the journalist for Goal.com, Ronan Murphy. Welcome, Ronan, to the episode. Great having you here. It's great to be on. Thanks very much, much, Ritvik. And uh, I hope I I can live up to your billing. Maybe like Troy Parrott can live up to the billing that I'm setting for him for for Tottenham and Ireland for the next few years. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's amazing to have you again, like you said, on the podcast and... As a follower of you on social media, especially Twitter, and it, it, it's, a, it's an absolute honor as well. And we have a lot to talk about in this episode, but we'll start with the Bundesliga, um, especially because you're someone who is an expert in that particular area as well of football. Um, it's, it's, it's been a really good season in the Bundesliga. Yep, the pandemic came in, in, in the middle and kind of had to disturb the rhythm the flow but mostly or you, you could probably say that Bayern has kind of wrapped up their eighth consecutive Bundesliga league title as well but looking at the season overall uh, when how, how do you see it or how do you rate the season overall I think overall this season has been a good season especially like you said because Bayern Munich probably didn't look like winning it or didn't look like they were running away with the league for a long time so we've had maybe a more interesting title race than we've had in a few years I know Borussia Dortmund came close last year but this year there's been more than just Borussia Dortmund RB Leipzig have kind of proven that they can kind of compete at the top end with the big boys and even Borussia Mönchengladbach at times look like they maybe have the players maybe not for this season but going forward for the next few years to, to compete and and to challenge for Champions League spots and maybe to go deep into a Champions League place and then you have Leverkusen as well in the kind of in and around the, the top four so it makes it a more interesting kind of league than, than in previous years because you're not having that absolute Bayern dominance from the outset That's that's great Ronan uh, and I, like I'm firmly with you on that uh, the, the Bundesliga this year I mean up until I think maybe January you could say it was a four-way title race which was the first that's happened in a long long time how do you think the teams have reacted to the pandemic since they've come back I think they've adjusted well to it I think the, the majority of players and the majority of teams have kind of followed the rules closely and, and tried to be on the best behaviour at all times because I think they know that they're they're kind of the blueprint model for everywhere else in Europe and all eyes of the world is on the Bundesliga at the moment while we're waiting for other leagues to return so they kind of know that they have to be kind of showcasing the best of what the Bundesliga can offer and so off the pitch they've definitely done a good job of maybe promoting the Bundesliga to new fans that wouldn't have been familiar with it before and as well on the pitch and we've we've seen obviously the predictable the predictable results of Bayern Munich winning every match but 
you've also seen plenty of unpredictability, unpredictable results in in other games and maybe exciting football that we're used to seeing in the Bundesliga but maybe someone that's that doesn't watch it on a weekly basis perhaps wouldn't be all that familiar with and you're getting to see these these young players that maybe will be stars of the future in the Premier League and in other leagues Jaden Sancho Kai Havertz uh, Timo Werner you're seeing these players kind of at their best or starting to come into their best at the moment so it's definitely showcasing the best of what the Bundesliga has to offer and hopefully some of the fans that have tuned in recently maybe will stick around in the long run yeah yeah, I think I think that's been one of the pivotal things is that the Bundesliga is up and running first. That that typical German efficiency, as they say, uh, they seem to know what they wanted. Uh, the dates in terms of getting the uh, getting the football up and coming again from the pandemic, uh, and they seem to be very efficient in that. And the fact, the fact that they're only league running at the moment, and up until last week, it seemed to be like it was going to be the only league up and running for some time. Uh, I think that's got to that's got to be doing the league. Uh, that's got to be doing the league great in the future. Yeah, you would think so. I, I, you've even seen people maybe tune, not only tuning in to watch the matches and BT in England have had bigger kind of viewership than they've ever had for Bundesliga games before, and you've seen a huge rise in the US of viewers to the Bundesliga as well. But not only are they tuning in, they're also kind of starting to follow maybe teams or they might have seen some kind of flowchart on, on Twitter or on social media picking which team to support or read an article in a newspaper about which team yeah. is most like the team that they support in the Premier League and there, there's even fantasy football fans who are kind of desperate for a fix with fantasy Premier League not hmm. running to, to join in the Bundesliga fantasy game so I think all those elements have added to maybe the, the attraction of the Bundesliga and might help to keep the fans around and for a longer period than just maybe these five or six matches before the Premier League and, and Spain and Italy and other major leagues come back. Yeah. And w- w- one of the things I've missed, uh, I, so please uh, forgive me for this, but once the Bundesliga, uh, the Bundesliga season is complete... Have they said anything about the start date for next season? I don't know. Will that be? Will that be? Will that be starting as per the date that it normally does? Or has there been? A, is there a notable delay there? No, they haven't really made a decision on that yet. I think yeah. what they're waiting at the moment is to see what the story is with the Champions League and Europa League, because obviously Leipzig and Bayern Munich are still in the Champions League and maybe Bayern are one of the favourites in it at the moment and you have a few teams in the Europa League still from Germany as well so I think they're waiting on a kind of UEFA decision on that before deciding when to start the next season of Monday because these players will even though they've had a break for a couple of months they'll probably need another break obviously before the new season starts so they're kind of waiting to see what happens with that first and then they'll make a decision on what should happen next year I would imagine maybe that it'll start around a similar time than it usually does yeah. but maybe, maybe a couple of weeks later and they'll try and make that up later in the year maybe with a few midweek matches English week they call it in, in Germany because they, do, they don't tend to play Wednesday, Saturday games like they do yeah. as often as they do in England Yeah. plus they've always got the I suppose the extra month uh, the January period because they have the mid-season break that, so they've always got that little bit of room I'm not saying they would use that but they've always got that little bit of room haven't they to sort of make up other fixtures if they had to start the season late I suppose that's an idea uh, but I'm not sure if that's, if that's been discussed just um, switching the attention to, to, to the actual games I mean I think the most no- notable game since the pandemic has been the Borussia Dortmund uh, and Bayern Munich game 
Uh, what were your thoughts on that as an actual spectacle, given the fact that there was no fans there? I think overall, that match and other matches have been quite entertaining for what they are. People kind of just need to get used to this new normal. And I, I was saying on, a, on an interview with, with BBC Radio during the week that when we watched the, the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, after a few games, after a week or two, we were kind of used to hearing the Vuvuzelas all the time and you kind of block it out after a while. So you, yeah. the, same, the, the same with no fans in the stadium. You kind of get used to it. In fact, you can hear the players shouting each other, the manager shouting and, and all that sort of stuff. So even though there wasn't the usual yellow wall that would be there for Borussia Dortmund and the, that kind of atmosphere that they're famous for, just like you would be familiar with obviously Liverpool and Anfield they, they have their own kind of unique atmosphere there They're, I don't think it, it made it that much different for the supporters at home watching it on television it probably did for the players in the stadium because they didn't have the, the 28,000 people kind of shouting them on from, from the standing section behind the, the goal but and maybe that played in the Bayern Munich's hands but as a television spectacle I don't think it's that much more difficult to watch in the long run once you get used to the, the eeriness of, of the, the fan noise and the background noise kind of be missing from the matches they're watching. Yeah. Yeah, and what do you think about the artificial noises that they have installed in stadiums? Because um, we see the teams actually playing fan noises. Uh, I mean, I heard that Bayern Munich were... Uh, collecting audio from different parts of the world, and I heard that they collected uh, a part of audio from India as well, the Bayern, uh, from the Bayern fans club India as well. So, and they've been playing those in the stadium. So, what do you think of that whole concept? I think it's probably trying too hard. I don't think it's maybe necessary. I liked it, the aspect of it where they're taking fans from all over the world, and it, it helps them expand their global fan base. But I think maybe what they're doing in Denmark. AGFR house we've seen where they kind of have virtual fans they have monitors installed at the side of the pitches and you can log into Zoom and you can you can watch the match and you're shown on a big screen sort of at the side of the pitch maybe that's more genuine as the, the people watching it on a, through their, their monitors will be re- reacting live to it but to have recordings of fans it kind of doesn't feel genuine because how fans react to goals and shots and and things that happen in the game you can't really replicate that too well if you're just playing maybe an audio track it's like essentially it's like watching a, a comedy show without the laugh track and and, and we if you look it up on YouTube you'll you find certain shows and I know Big Bang Theory is probably a, a famed one for it if, if you're a fan of it you probably won't mind it without the without the laugh track but if you, you're not a fan of the show and you, you see it without the laugh track it seems like the worst thing ever so I think maybe football is along the same line yeah true and one more thing probably is about the players as well um, we've seen um, some players actually rise up to the occasion this season one player that's really kind of uh, you know fascinating has been uh, Gladbach's Marcus Thuram he came from France last season and he has over 15 goals and assists combined in the Bundesliga in his first year in Germany. So that is really huge probably and talking about players like Thuram, um, like who, who are some of the players that have really impressed you other than uh, other than the regular names like Timo Werner, um, like Robert Lewandowski etc. 
Uh, yeah, I think I think Turam definitely has been impressive. Impressive, and I'm not sure people expected him to hit the ground running so well in Germany. And maybe the fact he has done so well, he kind of move away from the fact that he's just Lillian Turam's son. Kind of for the last few weeks, people have seemed obliged to mention that he's Lillian Lillian Turam's son every time they were talked about him. And it was that case when he kind of first arrived in Germany. But, German football people have moved on from from that and I think the English football coverage that, that's showing Germany German football at the moment will also move on from that just because of the way he's he's adapted and adjusted and he's just a, such a, a great forward and him and Alessand Player who unfortunately was sent off in the, the match against Freiburg on Friday night seem to have formed a brilliant partnership for Borussia Mönchengladbach and I think they are going to be a force to reckon, be reckoned with like I said earlier for the next few seasons as for other players maybe outside the the, the common ones that, that everybody knows you know, Christoph Baumgartner of has of Hoffenheim has really impressed since the, the Bundesliga has come back and he's been one of the standout players of 2020 despite no one not really knowing what he, who he was before the start of the season he's an attacking midfielder kind of plays in a number 10 role and and playing a number eight role either, and he's uh, he's definitely one to look out for for the future. And there, there's plenty of young players around the league because Germany always has the Bundesliga always has kind of the option or the opportunity to offer these players more chances than than maybe they would get in other leagues. So you're seeing the likes of American 17 year old Giovanni Reina getting run outs for for Borussia Dortmund who are a team who are in the Champions League places and he even played in the Champions League and you, you probably wouldn't see a 17 year old getting a chance like he did for a Premier League club at such a high level it's like like you were saying with Troy Parrott earlier it's, he's, a seven, he's an 18 year old now and he, it seems impossible for him to get any game time at Tottenham and he's kind of similarly well regarded so the, the Bundesliga is also always a, a league for looking out for, for these young players that maybe would be stars in the future yeah, you, well, you, you mentioned uh, Borussia Dortmund just then, and it, uh, I, I just want to bring you back to them uh, because, I mean, I don't think I don't think I'll be the only one uh, thinking that, especially if they win this weekend, if Bayern Munich uh, are more than likely to be champions now, given their given their victory over Borussia Dortmund last week. Um, I thought it was very interesting to look at the, the post-match comments from Lucien Favre. Uh, after the game and I know he, he, I know he's come back since and I know he doesn't speak fluent German and he's come back and since, since said that no his future he's still he's still, he's still got every intention in, in seeing out his contract with Dortmund which I believe is at the end of next season or next summer um, wh- what do you think the state of play is there and what, 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 what do you think Favre's future is at the club given given the fact that I mean, let's be honest. Back Bayern Munich's dominance has been has been there for the taking for, for me in the last twelve months. I don't know if you agree with that, Ronan, but I, I certainly think that they've been the weakest at their weakest over the last ten years in the last twelve months, given uh, the disharmony under Nico Kovac and uh, the bringing Hansi Flick in. And I know it's turned out to be brilliant now, or not brilliant, but it's looking very prosperous under Hansi Flick at the moment. But it weren't sort of looking that way when he first took over. There was a bit of um, a bit of a transition period there and it feels like Bruce Dortmund given the money that they spent last summer haven't took advantage of that 
Yeah, I think maybe last season and this season seemed to be Bertie Dortmund's best chance in a while to do anything, and maybe that was because Bayern Munich players didn't have maybe as much faith in Nico Kovac's as the board did at the time, and they didn't really trust him to be to be the, the kind of long-term successor to Jopankas. So Hansi Flick definitely has come in and saved the ship and has done a wonderful job and maybe will end up bettering Pep Guardiola as kind of goal scoring and, and points and, and things like that in the next season or two and he, he could be one of the best managers a long time for, for the club but as for Lucien Favre I don't think they will get rid of him I think they will be stupid to get rid of him at the moment I know they've kind of slipped up in the title race but they, Bayern Munich are always hard to unsettle and if you look at the way Borussia Dortmund are playing at the moment it, they're, it's an exciting attractive winning style of football that maybe they had been missing under a couple of previous coaches the, the two Peters Stoger and, and, and Bosch the, yeah. they, they weren't as, as consistent as the way they're playing at the moment and, and if they do stick with Lucien Favre he might be more he might be more successful in the long run because he seems to have shored up the defence a small bit which has been a long running problem for, for Bush Dortmund and Marco Rice even gave an interview earlier after they let a couple of leads lead slip that he was fed up of the mentality questions and he called it that you said it the mentalitat you can obviously translate that yourself you can, you can figure out what that comes from from Germany in the second yeah. half of that but yeah he, <laughs> he uh, yeah so I, I think Lucent Apple Party is the right man for the job in the long run and you kind of have to wonder who they will get instead of them at the moment is there any better options out there there's talk of yeah. obviously Pochettino or maybe Ken Hag from Ajax but really are they going to be that much of an improvement over, over Favre when Borussia Dortmund are kind of unfortunate in their current stature as they develop these players into, into superstars and then they just because they're just short of Bayern Munich they find it hard to keep hold of them and we're seeing that with Jadon Sancho maybe moving this summer and we've seen with yeah. Dembele Obama Yang all these sort of players so Lucien Favre he's kind of it's an impossible task for him to not see Bayern Munich but I think he's done the, as well as can be expected given the fact that Bayern Munich are Bayern Munich yeah yeah yeah, and uh, talking about players on the move, you mentioned Jaden Sancho there, but uh, one player who's already probably on the move is Timo Werner from Leipzig to Chelsea after a long, long flirt, a uh, long, long flirting with Liverpool. He's finally decided to join Chelsea, and we have a lot of we had a lot of news running rounds yesterday, saying that Liverpool did not bid and they backed out of the deal because of the financial uh, because of financial reasons, mainly due to COVID-19. And Chelsea capitalized on that and spent the, the right money on Timo Werner, say for example. And this is a patron question from one of our patron Dieter Van Gogh who decided to you know help us out from today onwards and his question for you is who, I mean what do you think of the transfer the team of Werner to Chelsea move and who do you think uh, Leipzig are going to replace Werner with yeah I think it's a good move for, for Chelsea and Werner it probably is the best move for, for both parties Liverpool would have been a fantastic move for a player like Werner but would he, be, would have, he have been guaranteed playing time at, at Liverpool and how would they, would they have fit him into their current attack questions like that obviously would 
continue throughout the summer if he had decided to join Liverpool. Obviously, the finances weren't weren't there to buy him, and it's not really a surprise because how can they have this this kind of furlough situation where they were talking about letting some of their staff kind of go on and leave and get the government to pay their wages for a few weeks? That was kind of happening a month or two ago, and how could it turn around from that and then sign a player for sixty million euro or fifty three or four million pounds? whatever converts to so it's no surprise that Liverpool ended up not making a move for him but it is a good move for Chelsea and I think he'll fit in very well there because they kind of been missing that player maybe through the middle that would get in behind defences and Frank Lampard seems to be trying to make an, a, a pacey a young attack and with Hudson Adoy and Christian Pulisic outside of him and Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Mason Mount they have plenty of attacking options and, and Hakim Zayek coming from Ajax in the summer I know he's a bit older maybe than the rest of them but Frank Lampard seems to be building not just for the short term but for the long term as well and that seems to be the right way of going because Timo Werner is still only 24 so he, he's definitely going to continue to improve and he's gotten even better this season at Leipzig so there's no reason he can't continue to improve once he moves to the Premier League as for who Leipzig are going to replace him with I think Milot Ratsitsa of it's a hard one to pronounce that one without saying the SHIT word in it but uh, yeah the, the Werder Bremen attacker is probably the likely replacement for him they've been linked with him for a while and if Werder Bremen were to get relegated they would get him on the cheap and if not there is the kind of option to get him for for maybe 20 million euro-ish because of his contract situation there so they might be able to buy someone like him and still have money to, to spare to, to look to strengthen elsewhere so it might actually be, work out being a good deal for, for Leipzig in, in the long run maybe signing Patrick Schick and on a permanent transfer and that that could help him and that could maybe find allow them to progress further next season under Julian Nagelsmann Are you are you yeah. surprised Ronan are you surprised Ronan that uh, Given the fact that it was heavy speculation that Timo Werner was supposed to go to Bayern Munich last season and that that deal fell through, uh, or that alleged deal fell through, are you surprised that is not, or at his apparent eagerness to leave, to leave Germany or to leave RB Leipzig? Given, I mean, I mean, certainly from someone who watches the Bundesliga quite a lot. RB Leipzig uh, look like they're a club that are progressing season by season. They've got one, if not the most promising up and young coming manager in European football at the moment. He's had a very good season and I do believe from the games that I have seen this season that he's actually improved his game a lot, Timo Werner, under Nagelsmann, that he's not willing to sort of give it another 12 months or maybe another two years at RB Leipzig just to see what they could achieve. I think he's already given them the 12 months he had planned to leave last season and they kind of negotiated this deal that he'd stick around for another year and they put in this kind of this relatively reasonable release clause in his in his contract so he's given them the chance he's, he's honoured kind of his part of the deal because if he hadn't signed that, that agreement with him the, the, the contract extension he could have just left this season for free so I think he's kind of given it all for, for RB Leipzig and he probably feels himself that he's ready for the next step in his career and I know Chelsea is probably a similar project to Leipzig at the moment the way that they're looking to challenge in the next few years and maybe turn themselves into 
regular Champions League side that get into the, the last eight or something like that every season and yeah. neither team is kind of guaranteed even top four this season so it might be seen as somewhat of a sideways step obviously not by Chelsea fans but the Premier League is a bigger league than the Bundesliga it is a bigger challenge for a player than the Bundesliga I know I covered the Bundesliga but even Bundesliga fans are aware that their league isn't the best league and isn't regarded as the best league in the world it might be the most entertaining or what have you but it's not regarded yeah. as the best league in the world so the foreigner probably feels that the time is right for him now as a 24 year old to take that next step in his career and he had obviously hoped it would be Liverpool because he was starting so openly with him but I think Chelsea is the best, the, the next best option for him and maybe might be a better option for him in the long run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the same question could be, I mean, I could ask you the same question about Jadon Sancho at the moment. Uh, obviously heavily linked with, I think, every club, every, oh sorry, every top, uh, top four club or top six club uh, in the Premier League. Do you think it's the right time for him to leave? Or again, maybe it's maybe because I like the Bundesliga so much I wanted to actually stay at Borussia Dortmund for the foreseeable future just given given the way the team plays and given the fact that he's such a big part of the way they play I, I would hate to see him go to say Manchester United who who I, I think is still in that transition period as a club both on and off the pitch yeah, I think it might be, he's maybe a different circumstance because he's probably a bit younger than Timo Werner. He he hasn't yeah. had this kind of transfer speculation, same sort of transfer speculation that Werner had last summer. So I think he, maybe it would might suit him to stay at Borussia Dortmund, especially because of how they strengthened in January, bringing in Emre Jan and, and bringing in Erling Haaland. That's their, they've turned themselves into a much better team than, than they were maybe 12 months ago. So I think it could be good for him to stay in the in the Bundesliga. And I think maybe his asking price will put off a lot of teams because obviously Chelsea won't be in the running for him now because they've, they've went, went for Werner. And, and ben, yeah. ben Chilwell seems to be the, their target now is to, they brought in an attacker, they brought in a, a kind of attacking midfielder in, in, in Zayek. So they kind of tick those boxes. Liverpool don't have the money to to buy them like we discussed and Manchester United then seems to be the only kind of feasible option in the Premier League for him to move to but like you say is it the right time to go to Manchester United they're, like you said they're a team in transition but they're still trying to figure out themselves and how they play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and he's trying to kind of prove he is the manager that my fans hope he can be when everybody else in, in England is dismissing him as well sir he wouldn't have got that job only for he scored that goal in 1999 kind of would he, yeah. any other, would he have gotten any other Premier League job probably not after getting relegated from the Premier League before but I think the Man United board and, and everyone in, at the club has faith in him in the long run and they, they're, they're trying to kind of build this team that can bring my United back to the best but it still might be a few years away from that and you kind of have to wonder whether Paul Pogba will stick around because of all the kind of hardship that he gets especially for the media in England he's still a fantastic midfielder but maybe his injury problems are holding him back or there could be other reasons or maybe the, the style of play that United were playing doesn't suit him so there's all these kind of question marks over Manchester United at the moment but Manchester United it remains one of the most attractive football clubs in the world for, for players to go to it remains one of the biggest clubs in the world even 
even if they're not winning titles like they used to, it's, it's still Manchester United at the end of the day. So it's going to be hard for if they were to to decide to spend the money, it would be hard to see them turn them down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. Yeah. And and I mean I I don't want to go too much into transfers or discuss too many players, but one more one more player that I want to really discuss uh, in this episode is like I mean I can't resist this, but uh, it's it's a player uh, at Manchester City, Leroy Sane. So he's he he went from the Bundesliga to the Premier League a few years back to play for City, and now he's heavily linked with I mean a return to Germany. With Bayern Munich seen as a very keen uh, you know, admirer of the German international, I mean the, the rumor has kind of been floating around for a long, long time. I mean apparently it might have happened last season if Sane hadn't gotten injured in the Community Shield match as well. So, do you think Sane might make the move Germany finally this summer or? Yeah, I, can, I can't see it not happening at this stage. I would be kind of 99% confident it's going to happen at this stage because everything seems to be pointing in that direction. It's something that he seems to want himself. And like like you said, if it wasn't for that community shield injury, he'd probably be there already. And I think he is the, the main player that, that Bayern Munich are going for this summer. He will be their primary target. And the only kind of stumbling block that's, that's there in any sort of transfer is how much they're willing to spend on them because Byron are kind of notoriously stingy when it comes to the transfer market. I know they broke their transfer record a couple of times, but if they can try and haggle a 5 million euro or even 1 million euro team to, to not have to spend it, they will do their best. So I think that maybe was part of the problem last season. It could be that they'll try and negotiate too much again this summer, but that'll only delay things because Sancho is entering or because Sani is entering the last year of his contract. He Man City are, are definitely not going to allow him to leave for free next summer, so they will sell him to Bayern Munich. It's just a matter of what he's going to cost. That's the only question at the moment, I think. Yeah. yeah, and does he look like a good fit for Bayern? Because I know that they're kind of trying to you know, create a new new revolution or a new you know new era of young footballers. They have Napri, they have Kingsley Coman. Um, I mean, Lewandowski is getting older, but he's getting stronger as well. But I do feel they have, they they will have striker the striker role covered up in time, and they're kind of building a young generation. Alfonso Davis, another guy. Kimmich, who's been like, although he's relatively young, he's kind of established as kind of one of the best. He already established himself as one of the best right backs or full backs in the game, but he, since then, he's gone on to play in midfield and he's also been very brilliant there. Thiago, who is kind of entering, into, I mean, he's nearing to enter into his 30s as well, but he's also signed an extension, I hear, so. Yeah, they're kind of moving into a new era, but do you think Sané would be the right fit for Bayern? I think he's probably the perfect player that they need, maybe in games where they, they lack that something, that, that, that kind of cutting edge, the, the X factor that teams always need, and that that kind of difference between a draw and a win, or the difference between a loss and a draw. He's someone that can provide that, and you see, you've seen it kind of often enough with Manchester City, especially last season, even in, in Champions League games and, and Premier League matches and as they won the title you, you kind of saw him 
be the difference maker at times for Manchester City and I think maybe because of that because he was injured this season that could have been one of the biggest reasons that they've fallen so short of of Liverpool that they were missing him and they obviously will be missing them next season if they sell him but I don't think they have any other choice at the moment so I would believe that even though it's another wing option and there'll be more kind of there'll be more competition for places at Bayern Munich he's exactly the kind of player that they, they need and he probably will be the player that will ensure they win the Bundesliga again next season but perhaps can if they don't transfer the Champions League this season he should be the kind of player that will make them challenge properly and perhaps get to the final or win the Champions League next year Yeah I don't I don't think there's any doubt on uh, Sané's quality and like, you, you've touched on a point there I think it's obvious that he's not you can see straight away looking at the point difference between Liverpool and Manchester City in the Premier League this year the effect that his, his injury alone has had on Manchester City uh, and I think to me anyway looking at it he, he would definitely be it look, I think Bayern Munich have had an issue replacing Robin and Ribéry or uh, filling in the gaps that, uh, that they've they've had since the they've left the club would you see Sané being their only signing given I mean we, we don't know, we don't know the effects of the pandemic financially on uh, on each uh, club uh, throughout the world I know uh, someone such as yourself will speculate speculate about it and we'll all talk about transfers uh, and I suppose that's one of the exciting things about football at the moment is we just don't know what's going to happen once the transfer window opens again because we really don't know the effects but if if Bayern Munich were to get Sané, like I said, that would be a crucial sign. And do you think they will make any more signings? There isn't really plans to have another marquee signing at the moment. Kai Havertz, obviously, is a player that's really of interest to the club, and they're kind of hoping that they could wait till twenty twenty one to sign him. Maybe Sané this summer and, and Kai Havertz next summer. But right. with other clubs sniffing around it seems to be that they might have to make a move a bit earlier. So that could be someone that you could see moving. There's a chance of it. They would obviously prefer to wait till next season and, and Sané would be their only kind of marquee signing and then perhaps pick up a right-back as well. They've been looking yeah. at, at right-backs for a while. And Benjamin Favard, obviously, the France World Cup winner, played for France at right-back in the World Cup, but he's a, he, he is a centre-back. He should really be yeah. playing a centre back, and they kind of signed him to be more of a centre back, and perhaps a, a long term replacement for Jerome Boateng. So they're still on the lookout for a right back, especially with Kimmich as well moving into midfield. They don't really have, don't really have that depth there, and they signed Audrey Azola from from Real Madrid, and he has been atrocious essentially since he, <laughs> he moved in. He got subbed off, and he got subbed off in one game. So he hasn't lived up to expectations. So they're still on the lookout for a right back. So if they were to sign. Sane and then maybe Havertz didn't move this summer I'd imagine right back will be what they'll be looking for and there's been talk of maybe Nelson Semedo from, from Barcelona or someone of that kind of kind of calibre of player so if they can get someone maybe for 20 million or less I'd say they'll they'll pull the trigger on and go right back yeah yeah and I suppose as well uh, given given the financial power of the Premier League these days and again the it is what it is, uh, but as a, since the pandemic has hit and now the transfer window will go go through as normal, uh, I I believe that 
most of Europe's transfer dealings will be as a result of what the Premier League clubs do, and and the fa- and the restraints that they they will hold given given the pandemic effects. So, like for example, they if if Sane if Sane then goes, it will be I, I believe that it will be a, a very much a knock on effect uh, around Europe this year for, uh, financially. So, so let's say for example Sane and you've got Timo Timo Werner going to Chelsea, then that will then free up money for Leipzig who will then uh, spend what they've earned. Same with Sane going to Bayern Munich, Manchester City will then spend what they've earned. And I think I believe that will that will sort of go round Europe and each team will each team, even the big teams will only spend what they get for the players themselves. As 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 football as a whole how do you see how, how do you see the transfer market playing out? Yeah, I think not just not sorry, not just in the Bundesliga or not just in the Premier League, just around Europe or around around uh, around the world. Yeah, I think I think teams are going to be more reluctant maybe to spend money this summer, and they're going to like you say they're going to wait and see what happens. And teams have have already felt financial effects of it, and you've seen it with at the top end man you know you kind of reveal their their quarterly reports and they, their debt increased by 40% because of coronavirus and that yeah. kind of money can that kind of money can't be gained back quickly obviously and it kind of affects the way you enter into the transfer market and like I was saying with Liverpool they're not going to spend any money they can't have the kind of PR disaster of trying to trying to let off some of their staff and then follow up with spending millions and millions on, on a marquee sign and look here's, yeah. our, here's our new 80 million attacking midfielder or whatever after it. And they can't really do that so I think a lot of clubs maybe will sit out this one and, but there will be teams that will wait and see and maybe will have the money to spend and and then once a big money move happens perhaps that'll kickstart things but it is hard to see any player being bought for more than 100 million this summer it, that, those kind of Mbappe Eden Hazard Coutinho kind of prices that you might have seen before are hard to are going to be well not, not Hazard but the, the other players that are going to be hard to see replicated this summer yeah yeah absolutely agree and do you think the benefits then uh, not that there is any benefits to any kind of pandemic so uh, do you think the benefits from a football sense in the transfer market could be positive given the way the transfer market was uh, fluctuating uh, pre-coronavirus I'm not sure we'll see anything different in the long term unfortunately I think in the short term it'll probably affect it as soon as fans are back in the stadiums as soon as TV deals are back as soon as as soon as all the money is back in the game the money will start being spent again clubs lower down will probably start to become maybe a bit shrewder but you'll still see the, the teams that have, are spending too much money beforehand probably still spend too much money unfortunately it'd probably take a couple of years to get back to to the normality of ridiculous transfer fees but the way football was going before was outrageous I, I, it'll probably still continue to be outrageous because there's just so much money to be gained for, from it as a business that people will still keep pumping money, more money and more money into it unfortunately yeah and I think given the fact that, that we've mentioned a number of Premier League clubs and I know Riffwick being a massive Liverpool fan that he is I think uh, I think you'll agree with us both that now that the Premier League has set a date 
um, for the weekend after next. That it's it got to be positive news for the Premier League restart. Yeah, I think it is. I think I think on the sporting level, it's great to see sport back. But I think in a, on a kind of a, a social level in England, especially and and around the world, it's great to have these kind of distractions back on television. It's great to have that sort of entertainment back, just to bring some sense of normality back into people's lives after what's kind of gone on for the last few months, and even with what's going on in America at the moment. It, it kind of it's not football isn't that serious at the end of the day obviously people's livelihoods depend on it and, and we're all entertained by it but it's a great distraction to have from the harsh realities and and the, the, this, the kind of disillusionment that you might have of everything else that's going around it, it it'll just be a welcome return for the Premier League just to just to switch off and watch Man City versus versus Everton for 90 minutes or whoever happens to be playing on a specific weekend yeah. as an Evertonian Ronan that's not actually that enjoyable watching Manchester City play Everton <laughs> 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 it's not it, 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 it's not enjoyable <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I like I would actually like to touch one of the points that you mentioned uh, a while back on the financial thing. So I mean, arguably, you I mean you could arguably say that Real Madrid, uh, where the team who has kind of kind of gone uh, less less affected by the whole pandemic financially because they had no problems uh, with furloughing their staff or paying their uh, players and stuff like that the way uh, Paris is running the club it's it's really good and I mean I read this particular uh, tweet of yours I guess today some, some, some time uh, today uh, it's about Kai Havertz so uh, like uh, according to Build uh, Madrid had an 80 million euros bid rejected for Havertz so do you think there's going to be like it, it's obviously Madrid and you know that they are very much capable of spending big bucks but you saw with like Chelsea as well who's kind of spending money and I heard that Spurs are also trying to take Loans. I mean, in, in excess of hundred million pounds, they're they're planning to take loans as well, probably to aid their uh, man, new manager. I mean, ideally, it's a, Jose Mourinho is a new manager for them, so definitely he would want his place as well. So probably to aid him in the transfer side of things as well. So, do you think this is gonna probably f- further the gap between the top clubs and you know? The clubs probably a level below them. I think it, it might in some circumstances, but you're even seeing it in in Real Madrid or in England, where the, t- the teams that are currently top are the teams that are fi- struggling financially. Liverpool are kind of having problems. They won't be spending big this on, but you'll see it in in, in Spain with Barcelona as well. They're they seem to be more hit by financial problems than Real Madrid at the moment, and that that might cause an issue at the moment but in the long run you'd imagine Barcelona will be fine but they're talking Barcelona are talking about buying Lataro Martinez from Inter Milan he seems to or just Inter right? to be pedantic about her about it mm-hmm. but uh, yeah they're talking about buying him but first to get him they have to sell some key players they have to sell some of the, the players that they're they're maybe on the fringes of the team so there seems to be financial problems at various clubs depending on how things have gone in the past and how they were even before the coronavirus crisis hit so I think there will be financial 
problems everywhere. And some clubs will obviously be worse, be affected worse than others. But I'm not sure it'll necessarily open that great a divide at the very, very top between maybe the team that might have been second and the team that might have been fifth. Where you probably will see it most affected is in the teams that aren't at the top flight and they're probably struggling to keep afloat in a lot of places at the moment. So you might see a bigger divide between the super clubs and then the teams that are just local village and town clubs. Yeah, definitely the lower division clubs uh, will definitely take a big, big hit from this because we've seen uh, some clubs already struggle financially even when the situation was uh, normal. So with this big uh, effect of COVID-19, it's going to be even harder for you know, lower division clubs as well. And and yeah, coming to the Premier League, especially like Chris said, um, it, it's good that sports returning, but yeah, obviously the human lives are bigger. But I mean, the recent tests have also been kind of positive. Like the, the, there was a recent scan where none, I mean, there was no positive case of you know uh, the virus on any any staff or the players but i guess the most recent one had this one positive case which is still i guess kind of uh, good enough for the league you know to to restart as well and today i guess we had the fixtures being put out by various clubs and yeah i like like chris said a big liverpool fan here and I'm pretty excited, you know, to start or to, to to see the Premier League come back, especially because the first game that Liverpool have is the Merseyside derby against Everton. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's a good return, I, I would say. And yeah, that's that's probably probably from my side, Chris. Yeah, well, how how do you see it going, Ronan? Given given the way the Premier League table was looking. At the uh, at when the lockdown or when when football stopped, uh, obviously again the, t- the title race. I know mathematically it's not finished, but let's let's be let's be feasible here. It'll, Man City ain't pulling that back. Liverpool will be crowned champ- champions eventually, but uh, it is likelihood that Manchester City will finish second. But we have got a good race on. For the top for the for the Champions League places, and we've also got a very good interest in relegation battle happening in England at the moment. So, how do you how do you see that playing out? What, what's your opinion on that? And uh, how, how do you think uh, the teams will uh, come back after the break? Yeah, I think the the, the other battles, obviously, that apart from apart from the title race, which is over months ago. And that Liverpool, you would imagine Liverpool just win two games in a row and that'll be it yeah. and that they, they, unfortunately as, an, as you as an Everton fan obviously will have to have to deal with the first of those but, <laughs> yeah. yeah I think the other the other kind of battles key battles for the European places and for relegation will make it interesting right down till the end because you have maybe big clubs being involved in the relegation battle like Sebastian Villa obviously huge historical club European Cup winners what 30 years ago yeah more yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. For, nearly, for, nearly 40 years ago at this stage so you, ha- you have some sort of historical clubs battling in that and you have the kind of question marks over 
the top four or whether it'll be a top five this season. Obviously, with with Man City's financial fair play issues and maybe they'll be kicked out of the Champions League if they fail their appeal and that should definitely make things interesting there whether fifth will get in and you and have Wolves and Sheffield United maybe knocking on the door and and Chelsea and Manchester United both massive clubs in their own right both European clubs again European Cup win clubs again yeah whether whether both of them will get into the Champions League so there's definitely a lot of a lot of narratives about for the rest of the season and you'll have some key players coming back Pogba like I mentioned earlier it'd be interesting to see how he links up with Bruno Fernandes at United so there's there's a load of interest even if the title race is a foregone conclusion at this season I don't think that's going to matter all, all that much and maybe the fact that it is a different winner and it is the kind of long overdue Liverpool winner and and how much it'll mean to, to people in the city of Liverpool on, on the red side, perhaps, rather than the blue side. But I imagine some of the, the, the blue side people mightn't begrudge him this one. No, we will. I think if it, had been, if it had been just Man City again, it wouldn't have been the same sort of a, a title-winning campaign. So... Uh, if they had been so far ahead at this stage I think people would have been bored by it but because it's Liverpool and because it's Jurgen Klopp who's such a likeable manager even if you're not a Liverpool fan maybe you yeah, might concede yeah. that one you might yeah, concede yeah, Liverpool yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone, everyone likes Klopp yeah so I, I think that is just fascinating in itself so there's just so much to be entertained by and just to see how football will adapt in, in England to playing behind closed doors and how players will the players who are heroes on the training ground but not in the in the games will they treat it like training matches and actually improve their game when there's no supporters there so there's just so much kind of entertainment to be had so it'll definitely be be a welcome return to the Premier League in, in another two weeks when it does come back Yeah I think one of the notable uh, the, the most uh, sorry the most one of the things that people haven't sort of touched on yet is that not only will obviously the English teams be playing be without the fans who are sort of a big part of what makes the English game and the Premier League what it is, but they're also going to be playing in June and July, which they're not used to doing. And now, obviously, again, we'll all joke about the English weather, the fact that it's raining all year, but and it's 50 mile an hour winds out here today in June. But it's still playing at three o'clock on a Saturday and three o'clock on a Sunday and one o'clock. It is our hottest period of the year. So it will actually be interesting to see. It'd be great from a fan's perspective, the fact that we've got we've got football in the summer, whether whether it's behind closed doors or not. Uh, but it will be actually interesting to see how the players develop with that and uh, develop and play with that. And I suppose it's a good thing now that, that the, pre- the Premier League have actually given the go-ahead for the five substitutions I'd be maybe more interested in in seeing that Newcastle fan finally taking his shirt off after all these years of keeping <laughs> his belly un, uh, under control. Yeah, he'll, have, he'll have the weather to have the excuse to take it off. But yeah, yeah. The, the five the five substitute rule has been great in Germany. It's it's kind of been used well by teams, and it hasn't re- because you're only still allowed three change time slots. It hasn't delayed matches at all. So. It has been yeah. used well, so you, you will you will see more players being used, and it will stop injuries from happening. So it is a positive thing, and maybe on on my 
bias, it, it might actually mean that they're the more Irish youngsters will get chances off the bench because there'll be five substitutes made in games. And maybe try power to finally get those minutes under Mourinho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, sorry, just uh, one more question there before Rich uh, Wicker asks his next one. Uh, Tottenham are actually an interesting point to be made here because before, the, bef- like I said, they will still see. They they will still feel that fourth place, and, and we'll assume it's fourth place for now. And that fifth place aren't going to get the Champions League place because I don't actually think UEFA will. I think given Manchester City's appeal, I think that will be more likely to be next season if they actually get banned. I don't actually think. I know. I know. It's. I think it's the end of this month, isn't it? Before before they actually make a decision on it. Uh, but let's assume that fourth place is the final Champions League place and uh, Tottenham will consider themselves still very much within the running for that. Now, when when so as you do, you're looking through the squads and your things and you're looking through the fixtures because you sort of, when you when I was in lockdown, I sort of tried to forget about football. Not not that I could, but I tried to, tried to sort of broaden my horizons a bit and start watching World Cups from 1982 and World Cups from 1974. You sort of forget the modern day football while the lockdown was on. But Tottenham themselves, before the coronavirus, the coronavirus hit, Harry Kane was injured and Son was injured, and, and the rest of their season was looking pretty bleak. And I would have said they've got no chance of making the Champions League. Now that we've had the period out that we have, then players are coming back and they've actually got pretty much a full squad available to them. So that again makes the Champions League place uh, or the Champions League race very interesting. Uh, it does, but Jose Mourinho. You kind of wonder what Jose Mourinho will whinge about now if he doesn't have all these injuries. <laughs> <laughs> <to come back. laughs> but yeah, yeah, having Kane and, and, and Son back is huge for him. Even with Son completing his military training, and he he won a medal for for his shooting accuracy. So if he can he can bring that back to, with him to the Premier League, it'll definitely cause it problem for lots of clubs. But yeah, you can't rule Tottenham out, especially with Mourinho in charge. He has that winning mentality. He he knows how to how to win games. He knows how to win trophies. And he, I I wasn't sure he was going to be a success for for Tottenham, and I'm I'm still not sure he's going to be a success for Tottenham. But but they do stand a great chance of maybe getting a Champions League spot just because he is there and they have their players fit again. Yeah, and and as a I suppose the Chelsea fans, given the given the signings that they're making for next season, they can't wait for the season to finish. <laughs> like I said, Zayax is coming in for my axe. Uh, Timo Werner looks like he's going to be signing. Apparently, according to these uh, papers, uh, Ben Chilwell, it's only a matter of agreeing a fee with Leicester. He's very much interested in going there. So, again, it's hard to predict because no one knows the financial outcome uh, of the pandemic but what signings do you see uh, someone like Liverpool making if any yeah, in I'd, the I'd summer be, I'd be surprised if they spent money at all I'd say they will need to maybe sell and then they can decide to get someone in so yeah. if they sold the likes of maybe Grujic to or to Berlin if they decide that they would spend 20 million on them or they sold maybe some young guy for, for 12 million which is Liverpool are very good at, at some guy that's only played a few few games of, 
of selling them on to the likes of Bournemouth for for big money <laughs> if they could <laughs> make deal if they could make deals like that maybe they'll have money to spend but even if they even if they do have a few sales you still can't see them spending big in the in the summer and also you wonder do they need to spend that big in the summer because where do they really need to improve what what's the the kind of weak link in, in Liverpool at the moment like previously yeah. years you knew that the goalkeeper was the problem after that Champions League final and obviously Carrius had that, that, that disastrous match and it's kind of haunted them since but you, you kind of could point to that or even before Van Dijk arrived you could point to defensive problems or, and, and people used to say I myself will hold my hands up and say that Jordan Henderson was a weak link but obviously he recently he's become better and better and he's kind of the, the perfect maybe 8 out of 10 footballer you know what you're getting from him every week and Liverpool know what to get, they're getting from him every week so it's hard to see where there is a weakness in their squad and it would be hard to see where they would decide to spend money because it would yeah. seem like they'd only spend the money for the sake of it is there anybody out there that they could bring in that would make their first 11 probably not yeah yeah, I mean, as a fan, I would definitely love to see um, at least probably a couple of additions because if you if you look at the left back spot, um, if if and if Andy Robertson, I hope not, but if Andy Robertson you know, gets injured, probably, and you have no actual left back or traditional left back, you no know, to you no know, to you know, fall back for Robertson. It mostly might be James Milner who will deputize there. And yeah, so we need probably players at left back, I would say, center back, I would say it's fine because, uh, yeah, you have four, uh, first, I mean, four decent, I'd say, not better than Lewis Dunk level center backs at Liverpool. <laughs> Nobody is better than Lewis Dunk. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the right back is also kind of sorted, but. Maybe if Liverpool are planning to, you know, go far, far off in probably multiple competitions, I guess we need quality in depth as well. Probably, like you said, uh, sell some players like Harry Wilson, Shita Shakiri, I guess, who, who, who I don't think probably is very much in favor right now. And he's not, he's not started a game probably for, I, I, I don't know, as long as I can remember as well. So I think Shakiri. Wilson, Gruitch, like you said, to Hertha Berlin might be sold, and probably we might make some funds for you know uh, decent backup signing. So I, I do think Liverpool might try to sign someone, probably alone with an option to buy as well. I, I heard uh, Dimazio link Usmane Dembele with Liverpool a few days back as well. So something probably I, I, I as a fan I would definitely love to see additions because um, I mean. As a team, we probably need a little more quality in depth, probably to you know to jump to the next level. Now that we conquered all of Europe and probably, hopefully, conquered England as well. What's the I next level I, then? <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think yeah, I think the problem that Liverpool found themselves in is probably a similar problem to what Manchester United found themselves in at the turn of the century. Is that the first eleven is that much of a is that good and sort of that much of a, a sort of team um, it's, it's like an engine it's, it's just like a cog everyone knows what they're doing there's so much team spirit everyone knows their own role that when you go out and buy players the players coming in know that the 
they're not going to start. So it, it, it very much puts it, it very much puts the pressure on you as a club to sort of make sure that you're getting those 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 squad players. Uh, you're getting the transfer right. So I mean, it, I don't know. Uh, it might be just a little bit before your time. If Rickwick, Manchester United done it when they had, like, say, for example, their midfield was Beckham, Giggs, Keane, Scholes, and you'd also have Nicky Butt coming into uh, into that uh, sort of for rotational purposes, and then they went out and bought Veron, and it sort of it, it didn't work out. And that then sort of set them back, and they had to change the style. And then Arsenal ended up taking over the league title, and then Chelsea did uh, for the next couple of years. And it very it took Alex Fake some sort of maybe three to four years to actually get that squad that he did in two thousand and eight. Uh, and I think that's what Liverpool now. All right, they haven't dominated Europe this year. If we, don't forget, Atletico Madrid did knock you out. But uh, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> it is very much looking like they are going to win the league. But the first eleven is what it is. Uh, but they've got to then buy players to play back up to that. And it's hard to convince players, especially in this day and age, to actually come in and do that. Again, Timo Werner being the, 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 the obvious example. We don't know the reasons why he hasn't gone to Liverpool because at one point it was looking certain and maybe Ronan will be able to comment on this a bit more than us but one of the possible reasons that he might have been looking at it is that well he was thinking well where do I fit in here because you play you play with a centre forward in Roberto Firmino that is sort of he's not a centre forward he's he's there he's such he's such a I mean I mean the, the term false nine gets used a lot uh, but he's even slightly different to that he's like a pressing forward uh, he enables Salah and Mane to score the goals that they do he, he can drop he, he drops deep as, it, he's very much a player whose emphasis is off the ball and Simo Werner might have been looking at that and thinking well I can't play that role so wh- wh- where are you planning on playing me I'm I'm, I'm better off going to Chelsea and playing the role that I'm accustomed to and that I play at Leipzig and, and things like that. So it, it will be interesting for Liverpool if they do anything. But as well, sometimes I, I think it could be very much as don't, don't try and fix what isn't broken and only buy the right players, which they've mastered over the last four years, only buy the right players for the team don't try and just buy anyone for the sake of it so I, I agree with Riffrick's uh, assessment there that they'll go out and buy maybe multiple players Liverpool has proven over the last four years will only spend uh, will only spend big on a player that they know is going to come straight into the team and they're more than happy to only just buy the one player yep and um, I mean, probably before ending the podcast, one topic that uh, I really want to bring up is probably Irish footballers or Irish youngsters who are probably you know, uh, you know taking stage, uh, taking stage right now. And Ronan, I know you are pretty much interested in this as well. And I mean, you, we already have a few players in the Premier League or four Premier League clubs who. Young, young Irish footballers for Premier League clubs who kind of look like the next generation. Yep, Declan Rice kind of ditched uh, Ireland probably for England and 
that is probably a little sad because uh, he would have been kind of the the, the leader for Irish football probably probably going to next decade but it's a shame that that didn't work out but you have players like Luca Connell for Celtic and Michael Obafemi for Southampton who's probably like I, I guess probably uh, he plays second fiddle to Danny Ings no, no one else because I guess he's the second best striker they, they have at Southampton at the moment then obviously Troy Parrott at Spurs and uh, I mean another uh, Irish man at uh, West Ham who's who's not really played in the first team but Conor Coventry who's, who's a youth player there at West Ham who is kind of also gaining traction Adam Eda for uh, Norwich City and you have Aaron Connolly as well for Brighton and Hove Albion as well who's, who's played a pretty decent amount of games this season and scored some goals as well so what do you think about the crop of talents that are coming up especially at the crop of Irish talents I think you've, you've nearly mentioned them all you're, you're probably doing my job for for me and you probably could go to, <laughs> to Lansdowne Road and go to some of the matches to the Ireland matches like I do and maybe cheer Ireland on for the next couple of years but I, <laughs> the, the big the biggest thing at the moment despite the fact that like you're talking about this this golden generation of Irish players it, it is being considered the golden generation Ida Conley Parrish especially is the fact that Ireland have a new manager and we haven't played the Euro 2020 now 2021 playoffs yes we haven't played them and we've already changed our manager to the next one that was set to take charge after Euro 2020 who's Stephen Kenny the most successful League of Ireland manager and he has been managing Ireland under 21s and had them on the verge of qualifying for the under 21 championship for the first time ever something we've never done and he got he got Dundalk into the Europa League group stage he was the first ever they were the first ever Irish club to get a draw in the European group stage and the first ever Irish club to get a win in the European group stage so the fact that he is taking charge of the club or the country is maybe just as important as all these guys coming through because after maybe a couple of managers or a good few managers who've been pragmatic and been essentially negative maybe maybe kind of favoured defensive football and counter-attacking and nicking a goal on a set piece we finally have maybe a progressive manager who's willing to play 4-3-3 who's willing to play young attacking players like like the guys you mentioned who who is willing to take a chance on youth over experience and who will usher in this new kind of generation of Irish football so everyone in Ireland is kind of looking forward to seeing what Stephen Kenny can do as the Ireland manager and seeing how the likes of Connolly and Parrott, Ida, Obafemi, and even Nathan Collins at, at Stoke in, in defence. And then there's Josh Cullen of, of West Ham as well. He's on loan at the moment too. He's played a few friendlies for the senior team. He's one that could be a, another Declan Rice because he's English-born, but he seems to be happy enough to play for Ireland. And with, with all these kind of players coming through, we're not maybe feeling the, the loss of Rice as much as we should be doing or the loss of Jack Grealish too. That That's another one that kind of gets in the craw of many Irish people. And them too would, wouldn't be if they, they arrive in Ireland I'd say they'd be, round, they'd be roundly booed at, at the Viva Stadium mm-hmm. but unfortunately that's the way things are in modern football but I don't think we're going to feel the loss of players like that as much as maybe we would have done otherwise had we continued down the, the Martin O'Neill Mick McCarthy path so 
things are looking bright for Ireland at the moment and it'll be interesting to see how we do when, when the playoffs do eventually happen and when the Nation League maybe kicks off in 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 the autumn or winter and to see what happens with international football next yeah yeah you, like, you, like you said it's yeah like like you said uh, it definitely looks like a golden generation for Ireland uh, you have a really good set of I mean really good crop of attacking players hope it turns out to be uh, no not, not I mean hope it doesn't become something like the England golden generation had hope it, oh uh, if, it, if it became like success. the England golden generation it would be amazing for Ireland we would take <laughs> we would take a World Cup quarter final or European semi final or anything like that that would be a dream yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah relative, relatively speaking probably hope the crop of young players can do better than what England had with the resources <laughs> England had as well so yeah, yeah. Well, you you, you mentioned uh, Stephen Kenny there, Roland. Uh, now, what, am I right in saying that when he was that he was point, he was appointed the under twenty one manager on the same day that Mick McCarthy was appointed the Irish manager, wasn't he? Uh, with you have taken over this year. That was all sort of the it it, it wasn't it, it wasn't sort of shock when he got the job, was it? It was sort of. Preempted, it, he, he got the under twenty one job with the view of taking over eventually from Mick McCarthy. Yeah, that's what happened. It seemed the FAI at the time, and the, the, the head of the FAI, the now disgraced John Delaney, <laughs> who who had a lot of financial problems and, and was kind of hounded out of the FAI for for good reason, and they're trying to kind of rectify a lot of things that he, he had done wrong. He was he appointed both McCarthy and, and Kenny and it seemed to be trying to please everybody because the most important thing for John Delaney was to get Ireland playing a whole at Euro twenty twenty where there's there's four matches happening in Dublin or Euro twenty twenty one obviously. And yeah. to, to get the financial part of that and that would obviously be a huge boost for him and it would be huge PR for for the FAI to have, have gotten this so that's why they appointed Mick McCarthy because he was obviously a proven success as our manager but for everyone in the country kind of wanted Kenny especially League of Ireland fans wanted Kenny so he kind of killed two birds with one stone by by appointing them both at the, at the same time and it kind of looks it looks like a bit of a disaster now because Mick McCarthy didn't he, he got us playing more attractive football but he didn't turn us into a winning team he didn't really get yeah. any unsurprising results and it would have been better probably just appointing Kenny from the outset because we've made the playoffs but even if we had lost every game in the group we were going in the group, in the group we were going to make the playoffs anyway because yeah. the Nations League that's how we yeah. got into to the Nations League so it didn't really matter what Mick McCarthy did at the end of the day so it probably yeah. would have been nicer to get Kenny that much earlier and maybe have had him get a year of bedding in and picking the players he wanted and all but now he's kind of thrown into the, at the deep end and we're not sure when the playoffs are going to be hopefully there'll be a couple of Nations League matches first so he can at least test he can test the players out and they can get used to playing under him first so it's going to be an interesting one it'd be interesting to see what happens when, when UEFA do decide the fixtures for the Nations League and, and the playoffs and give definite dates on those Okay, so as his appointment then, or his promotion, we'll call it to the to the actual the national team manager, been has that been looked upon as as very optimistic for, from 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 a national point of view? Because he he done a terrific job, didn't he, with the under twenty ones? Like you like you mentioned before, uh, they're on a verge of qualifying for the for the under twenty one European Championships uh, for the first time ever. 
Uh, I believe did he win seven of his twelve games? Yeah, and he he, he yeah. had wins both home Which and is, away against Sweden. He drew with yeah. Italy. These are big kind of results for an Ireland under twenty one team. And the, the two matches he played against Sweden, I think eight of the players were different in the two elevens because Premier League call ups and things like that, kind of injuries and, and suspensions. But they were still able to win despite having essentially a, a totally different starting eleven. They were still able to win. So it's everyone is optimistic in the country at the moment. They're just kind of waiting to see can he live up to the hype because there's just so much hype about him at the moment and there's so much hype around the, these young players that, the, that are there and whether he will stick with some of the old guard or whether he'll kind of clear the deck and bring it up a lot of these kind of current under-21s be yet to be seen because obviously it's a huge step up from under-21 football to senior international football and, and a lot of these guys are playing in the championship and even in League One yeah. and in the League of Ireland of course so it's be interesting to see can they make the step up too. Yeah, well, I, obviously it's it's always great. I always I always I always think it's great for Ireland to be at major competitions just for the fans. Obviously, as you know, uh, the very unique set of fans who bring atmosphere to to every tournament that they're in from the Jack Charlton days to the 2002 Mick McCarthy days first Mick McCarthy reign and even uh, in 2016 in the European Championships uh, they were, I thought uh, they were very very good themselves so uh, I really hope it does work out for them I really, uh, and I, ho- I hope to see like I said some of the, some of the players that Riffwick has mentioned there I hope to see them Played in the Premier League more predominantly because I, f- I do believe that has been sort of the issue, hasn't it? With uh, with Ireland, they always seem to take that one step forward and two step back, or they always have like a, a period where you think right they're go- they're going to be in maybe a run of competitions, but then you don't see them for the next three or four competitions. It's because they're waiting for that ge- next generation to come through. So. Yeah, I, th- I think that maybe the re- the problem in recent years is that we've just been waiting for the next Robbie Keane and each manager has kind of pointed to that that we don't have another Robbie Keane where the goal's going to come from and rather than trying to come up with solutions about getting other players on the pitch to, to provide goals they've been looking they've been complaining that they don't have a Robbie Keane and should Robbie Keane is is the fifth best inter-European goal scorer of all time I think maybe He's, yeah, he, he, some, it's something ridiculous. He he scored and he, he scored at the World Cup. He scored against some of the best teams in the world. So you're you're not going to have another Robbie Keane. There's no point in waiting around for another Robbie Keane to arrive. You, you kind of have to make things happen yourself, and that's maybe a problem that we've had recently. So if we can have a manager who has faith in the players and allowing the players to play, kind of a winning football and even if we try and play it well and, and don't get the results it's better than playing badly and not getting the results anyway because we weren't getting the results we had a few appearances at the Euros but they were the expanded Euros and and the time before that under Trapatoni at the Euro 2012 the, the less said about that the better <laughs> just got hounded out. We, we, we set Spain's records for the most passes ever against us that, that, like, those aren't those aren't things that you want to live you want to live and die on so hopefully we've we've moved on from those days and maybe Stephen Kenny and, and these guys these attackers these these parrots Connolly's Ida's can be the ones to usher in the times in a row and maybe have that continued success like you mentioned yeah yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, that brings us to the end of this episode. So thank you so much, Ronan, for you know coming on to the show, and it it was an absolute pleasure hosting you on the episode. Uh, I think Chris feels the same as well. We've enjoyed yeah, absolutely football. Yeah, great stuff. My pleasure, fellas. It was good to be on and good to chat about Irish footballers. I always enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's always great to talk about Irish footballers Lewis Dunk yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah if we can get Lewis Dunk an Irish, an Irish passport and replace the English one that would be a, that'd be a great addition <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well, yeah. well, well just, just make them up like Jack Charlton did anyway with Tony's Cascadino you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I'll, adopt, I'll adopt Lewis if I'm able to yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah that brings us to the end of the episode so thank you to all our listeners as well for tuning into this episode we have more amazing content coming on for you like we we've had here for the past one and a one hour and one hour 15 minutes with Ronan so thank you so much once again and bye bye until the next episode.